Just to put it in perspective, Jesus was just hours away from the most horrendous thing that he would ever endure physically. The betrayals, the beatings, and then finally volunteer to stretch his arms out to watch some Roman soldiers who he created put nails. He felt it all. The night, though, right before this happened, had been confusing. And they are a bit frazzled. The master had washed their feet and then told them that they needed to love others just like that. To do some of the most, well, lowly tasks. To even people who would deny you. Jesus had just asked them to trust him. We know you're scared. We know you're afraid. But I want you to trust me. Trust my words. You know I've walked with you this whole time and never let you down. You know I've got a place for you eventually. And I'm, I'm well, going there ahead of you to prepare some rooms for you. Then if you were with us last week, he made a promise. A promise that was way too good to be true, really. If you, disciples, or anyone else trust in me, you will do the same works. Even greater works than I have done when I leave. And as soon as those words came out, I, I just think the disciples did a double take. Maybe some of them gasped. I mean, they had seen Jesus do these miracles and these works and seen crowds respond. They even had opportunities for, well, them to go and proclaim and preach the gospel and heal those in Christ's name. But Jesus kept talking about leaving. And your words to us, Jesus, are... You're going to do the same thing? Whoa. Faith in God is important if you're going to make this impact, Jesus said. Trust me. And prayer is also critical on your mission. The very last words we read last week is, you will need to pray, and you're going to pray in my name. You're going to go in my power, in my authority. I am going to leave you. But you are going to be equipped. You are not only going to make a kingdom impact right now, tomorrow, next week, but for all the days of your life, you are going to make an impact. Lastly, and this is where our text is taking us today, in John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. He says this, you will also need to obey my words. You will really need to do what I ask you to do. You need to trust me. You need to depend on me. That shows the prayer. And you need to obey me. Oh, obey isn't that the teenager's greatest struggle in life? 
Why? What time do you want me home? How come don't you? And we love looking at our teenagers as they kind of uh, expand their parameters. But if we're honest, we are just like them. Only we're supposed to be mature. We, have, we never like anyone telling us what to do, do we? You know? In fact, if someone tells us what to do, we have a tendency to either go to the line or just do a little bit uh, more. And it gives us great satisfaction inside. <laughs> Got away with it. They didn't really know. But you know, all I know is that even though we cringe at the word obey, when we see value in the person who's doing the asking, things change. I have no trouble pleasing my wife when she asks or even demands at times. No trouble. I respect her. I love her. And because of that relationship of more than 40 years married, even if it doesn't make sense, I guess we'll chat later. We'll talk about it. We'll figure this out. But I'm going to listen. It doesn't make me henpecked, by the way. Doesn't. What that makes me is a guy who's in love. And as a result, I behave differently. You know, Jesus was the author of life and earned the right and had the respect of the disciples. Christ's words in our text for today were both comforting and convicting. I think you will leave here different people. Let's listen. You can follow along on the screen or open your Bibles to John chapter 14, and we'll start at verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come 
and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word today, I ask you that your Holy Spirit would do just what the Holy Spirit does. It convicts us, it illuminates, and encourages us, it reminds us. It helps us understand your word. Lord, we desire deeply to not only hear, but to obey. We ask, Father, that you would encourage us to be more obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus not only was setting up his team well, I believe he's setting us up well for today and even tomorrow. It's hard not to remember again that these are really a series of last words. I have to believe almost that Jesus had said every one of these things other times to his disciples. They were brand new. But we have to remember as we open up the scriptures how critical these words were. It's the last time that there's not crowds around. It's the last time that he had them literally just face to face. Guys, you need to listen here. Jesus begins by reminding them about a covenant relationship. Well, it's language that the disciples clearly understood, but I bet in our lives we don't use this language very often. Let me remind you that every covenant relationship has a promise or an obligation, has a gift and then a demand, or a relationship and then a responsibility. What Jesus starts off saying is this, If you love me, that's the relationship part, then obey me, that's the responsibility part. In the kingdom, relationship always comes first. There are responsibilities because of the relationship, but the responsibilities come because you have a relationship with God. 
well, hopefully, that you love God. In fact, responsibilities in the kingdom change from have to to get to. It's the same way in a healthy marriage. You don't have to take out the garbage. You get to. And just by changing a little bit of our understanding of what a covenant is, we don't see Jesus' words as overwhelming. We see Jesus' words as something to say, hey, I understand all that you want, Lord. I just need to be able to listen. So because the disciples loved Jesus, they get to obey, even if his words didn't make sense. Jesus was banking on the relationship that had developed over the last three years. He said, listen to my words. The success of our mission and even your very lives depend on it. Wow. I like using the words kingdom patriots to describe the disciples. Sometimes we just use that word disciple and we all have our baggage with it. So so I'm going to try to maybe give you a little definition, a different twist. But here's my definition of kingdom patriot. Kingdom patriots love their king. They are disciples who vigorously obey their king and wholeheartedly support their kingdom. They are prepared to advance the king's mission at any cost, even their lives. They will defend their king and the kingdom against any and all enemies or distractions. Let's look at our text and hear why obedience is so critical, so important, and the topic that Jesus chose to focus on right before he went to the cross. First of all, a kingdom patriot's obedience shows love. Start right off in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commands. Jesus starts here just as I've, well, introduced, because it's critical. He starts off with love and obedience for a reason. Relationship is always first, and responsibility is second. If you've been part of Crosspoint for any um, length of time, you'll hear all of us talk about a relationship with the Lord. How important it is to get to know God so that you might be able to love others well or love others the way Jesus loved others. The relationship is always first. Responsibility is second. You also know when Jesus repeats things or when the scriptures repeat things that the normal hermeneutical procedure or how you interpret the scripture, every time something is repeated, well, it should get bolder in your Bible. There should be more exclamation marks. We should pay better attention to it. Yes, every word is inspired, no doubt. But when there's repetition, somehow we need to look at that a little deeper. So in verse 21, Jesus says this, those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. Verse 23, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. 
Verse 24, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. So Jesus laid it out pretty clear. If you say you love me, I'm your master, I'm your Lord, I'm your king, then when I say something, you need to obey. Secondly, obedience allows a kingdom patriot to actively engage with the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit indwells you at birth. Well, at your spiritual birth. And is always with you. But because of sin or disobedience, we can grieve or quench the Spirit's work in our lives. Some key verses in, later on in the epistles, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, he says, do not stifle or do not quench or do not extinguish the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he says, Do not grieve or do not bring sorrow to, the, to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. So clearly, the scriptures are able to help us understand how critical it is for us to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Yes, if you've come to faith, if you've come to a place in your life where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that He has rescued you, by faith you've put, by faith you have trusted Him to be your Savior. At that moment, the Holy Spirit actually indwells you or begins residence in you. He begins at that moment to chip away the things that don't reflect God very well. All right? But realistically, what some of us have a hard time to understand is that we literally can make the Holy Spirit sad. That we can grieve. That we can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. You see, God made us a certain way and says, if you listen to me, you're going to experience life. You're going to have joy. And I want you to experience life to the fullest. But if you go your own way, you do your own thing, you think you're the boss. There are natural consequences and there are consequences for disobeying me. It makes me sad, literally, the Spirit says, when you disobey me. Because you're not going to be able to live the way God intended you to live. That's all. You can go do your own thing. Go ahead. But I'm sad. I'm sad on the choices you're making. But I think one of the greatest illustrations comes from the First Thessalonians passage. It says, do not quench, do not stifle, do not extinguish the Spirit's working in you. Which means every one of us can do that. And this is a word all the time. And, and right now it's summertime. And right now there's campfires going on. Okay? And every one of you have been in front of campfires and you know this. And, and the greater the blaze, the harder it is to extinguish it or douse it. All right? Well, what... Paul is literally saying here is, is that there is a fire in you. And it's called the Holy Spirit. 
And by the way you live, obediently or disobediently, will be how that fire keeps going. Obedience stokes the fire. Obedience allows that fire to burn. Disobedience is like throwing water on your fire. And again, hey, wait a minute. I don't really need to obey God. Okay. Okay. But you will never experience the joy or the fulfillment by listening to our Almighty. Disobedience literally quenches the fire. Living like those apart from God will be something that grieves the Spirit and actually makes the Holy Spirit inactive in your life. Now, granted, the Holy Spirit continually convicts and the Holy Spirit continually opens our eyes to different things that displeases God. But realistically, the Spirit lives in you. He is always available, but you will not be able to be influenced unless you are living obediently. Obedience is key to the Holy Spirit's activity in your life in our church. So many times as a pastor, as a counselor, as a shepherd, whatever, I mean, folks who come, if they're just honest, you know what, my Christian life just isn't working. It just isn't. I go to church and it's kind of boring. I go do this and it's not very exciting. I open my Bible and really, oh, ah. Now you'd probably never admit saying that, but, but that's how it comes across sometimes, you know. One of the things that we chat about, depending on our relationship, is, hey, when's the last time you've confessed? Oh, Rick, I, I, I didn't think I'd confess to you. No, no, I'm <laughs> talking about me. I'm just talking about when's the last time that you've sinned and you have confessed to our God that you've rebelled against him? So many times, not every time, but so many times that we live ineffective Christian lives, just, I won't say pathetic, but sometimes it grows too pathetic because we want to, well, do all the right things, but we're not living and listening, and obeying by God's power, and listening to His Spirit. Now, if I had a giant board up here, and if I could maybe get you in a classroom, I'd like to draw an illustration, and that's why we gave you a handout. So if you give me permission, or even if you don't give me permission, I'm going to put my professor's hat on, okay? Because if you could open up your bulletins and look at that diagram, that may look like Greek to you. I get it. But this diagram has helped me encourage people on their journey, maybe more than any other diagram I've used. And I just call it a walk relationship diagram or the two circle, you know, two circle diagram. I'm not even sure if there is an official name. But I remember as a young boy, my dad sitting me down and sharing with me this principle. And it is helpful, it is encouraging, and let me just kind of go through this with you, if you would. When you come to faith, when you come to the cross, you immediately go into two circles. Now, folks, you don't really go into two circles, okay? Uh, This is just trying to help us, all right? The top circle I call position. 
And the reason I call position is once you come to faith, you are always a son. You are always a daughter of God. It is such an amazing relationship. You can never lose your sonship, your daughtership. But that lower circle is a circle which I call the walk or your relationship or your fellowship circle. Now in that top circle, you see one X. You can never get out of that circle. Okay, And there's scriptures in that diagram for you to help you, and, and you can read through that. But that second circle, when you come to faith, like I said, you're immediately in there. But as soon as you or I rebel against God, as soon as we choose to disobey God, as soon as we choose to sin, the little X that was in the lower circle jumps out. It's alive. And as soon as it jumps out, all right, you are not controlled by the Spirit because there's sin in your life. The Spirit still indwells you. It's there. But the Spirit doesn't, you know, um, shape you, give you power, encourage you. When you are outside the circle, you are not being Spirit-led. You are not producing Spirit fruit. You are living your life in the word carnally without the influence of God. You may even do all the right things. And to be quite honest, as I get older, I look back at some of the ministry things that I've done. And I did them in my own energy. I look at it again. It's hard not to be up at camp and and be able to remember some of the stories. And I got to know that I didn't always do all the things that I did up there with the Spirit's blessing, the Spirit's power. I know that. But I know this, is that, hey, you've got two circles. And what happens is you get out of the circle when you sin. But the blessed truth is this, is that each one of us, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. As soon as that happens, immediately, boom, you're back in that yellow circle. And your walk with God and your relationship has been restored. You're back into fellowship with God. You're able to listen to God. You're able to open up His Word and the Spirit talks to you. The Spirit's then able to convict you about certain lifestyles. The Spirit then is able to prompt you and who to talk to and when to talk to. My encouragement would be this. Is that obedience is not just something you sort of choose every once in a while obedience disconnects you from the Spirit's power. It is huge. When you sit down with your teenage son and you talk about all the do's and the don'ts of your household, and then you bring God into the do's and the don'ts, what we have to encourage our kids, encourage the people around us, is to develop a relationship with the Almighty God first so that they love Him with all of their hearts and recognize that being separated or, or, or having your relationship broken, your fellowship stifled, the lack of power that you will have, it's critical. 
And so as I look at this, obedience allows a kingdom patriot to actively engage in the Spirit. And that's why I said obedience is key to the Holy Spirit's activity in your life in our church. If we do not walk in the Spirit by means of the Spirit, if we don't do that, we will never experience the joy and the power and the authority that God wants each one of us to have. We'll never do the works that Jesus Christ has foreordained for us to do. We're going to miss out. Now, when the Holy Spirit is active, this whole passage, and we're just going to go through some things now, it's so cool. So when you're in that lower circle, and when you're connected with God, and when you're listening to God, this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what gets you up in the morning. First of all, the Scripture tells that He is our advocate. In verse 16, Jesus said this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. I've been your advocate for three years. I have. I have been encouraging you and representing you and helping you understand. Oh, but the Holy Spirit, he's going to be way better because I'm only with you certain times. He's going to be with you all the time. In verse 26, the Father sends the advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. And each one of us need an advocate. The Holy Spirit is also our teacher. He reveals God to us. In verse 21, and I will love them, Jesus said, and reveal myself to each of them. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, and the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. So many times we open up the scripture, and again, if we've got sin in our lives or we're living a disobedient life, it's just words. That's it. Words. Nice. But all of a sudden, these words transform us as we walk with God in obedience. We also know that the Holy Spirit is our leader. He guides us. In verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Points it out. Leads the way. And lastly, the Holy Spirit reminds us. You know, it's it's refreshing to be around folks with sharp minds. And those who remember every detail. I'm on the downward slope there, folks. And remembering every detail sometimes is hard. In spite of me reading, Sharon will always ask me, my my wife Sharon will always ask me, Rick, are you sure of all those details? I'm pretty sure. That's how it happened. I don't think so. And so she refreshes me. She almost, and that she is not the Holy Spirit, okay? But she reminds me of the details, of the different stories or the different things. And, and what's so cool is that you have such amazing authority because as you spend time in the Word, you're not going to remember everything. Unless some of you have a photographic memory, and, and you haven't told me that yet. So if you do, then don't worry. 
But if you're like me, if you're like us, we need to be reminded over and over. Sometimes it's called convicted. We need reminders. The Holy Spirit does all this. That's why we need to walk with the Spirit. Walk by means of the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Live obedient lives. A kingdom patriot's obedience also allows you to enjoy the gift. And Jesus even tells you what the gift is. It's peace of mind and heart. Verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry about life. Because I'm going to give you something nobody else will give you. Nothing else can give you. It's not going to come in a bottle. It's not going to come in a relationship. It's not going to come in a boat. None of those things. And those are all nice. But I'm going to give you peace of mind and heart. Something the world cannot give you. You know the future. And I know times are tough. But I also know this. Even though it looks like we're losing a battle at times, we're not losing a war. We just aren't. And I'm going to keep reminding you of that. Verse 29, I have told you these things before so that when they do happen to you, you'll believe or you'll trust me more. I am there. And then lastly, Jesus gives us a snapshot of a kingdom patriot's obedience. Dave, our worship leader, gave you just a snippet of what Jesus said right here in verses 30 and 31. Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. I'm just letting you know, though. But I will do what the Father requires of me. So that the world will know that I love the Father. Let's get going. Wow. Well, did, did we really doubt that Jesus was loved by his Father? I mean, he said it right in the very beginning when he was baptized by John the baptizer. Right? A voice from heaven. Whoa, that, that kind of gets your attention. Right? But what Jesus was modeling was saying... I am going to let everybody know how much I love God by how much I listen to Him. Obedience, in this case, protects you from the enemy. The enemy has no power or authority over an obedient child's life. I will do what the Father requires of me. You know, if you just read those words, you're sitting there, well, well Jesus, you know, I mean, is he just doing stuff? Because Jesus loved his dad. His dad had a plan. He listened to the plan in spite of how much pain and agony it would be. Physical, yes but even emotional, over and over again. 
Obedience shows the love I have for the Father. That's what obedience shows. Obedience shows the love I have for the Father to our world. You know, some of us know that Christians have a pretty pathetic reputation at times. Sometimes a Christian, an evangelical Christian, has a reputation of, of being rather caustic, of being rather narrow-minded. And in some cases, that's probably true. But there is something about a man or a woman who is so totally connected with God, lives life the way that God has intended them to live life, your neighbors will notice. Your co-workers will notice. The people in your household will notice. You will stick out like a sore thumb. You will respond to people differently. You will be less selfish. You will be more others-focused. Folks, it does not happen unless you are allowing the Spirit to work in your life. And you listen to God. It just won't happen. You know, as I wrap up our message today, Jesus said, greater works. There's going to be more happening on the planet when I leave. If you want to be part of that humongous movement where the gospel will go in every corner of the globe, and transformation will happen, and people will turn from death to life. You want, you want to be part of that? Well, trust me. Trust me. Pray. You need to be so dependent on me and listen to every word. I believe every facet as Jesus talks is important. But right now, Jesus spent an awful lot of verses just on obedience. And I guess the choice is up to you and up to me and what you want to do. You know, faith will increase as we get to know Jesus and the Word. We will see over and over again all that He has for us in His revealed Word. Prayer will increase as we recognize how helpless we are without God. That we need to literally be praying, not only for meals, and not only for a good job, and not for a great wife. Now, granted, those are all really good things to pray for. But every single day, we need strength, and we need power. We do. But obedience will increase our joy naturally. There isn't a person sitting down in our sanctuary today that says, I want to be more mournful. I want to experience less joy. I love having less joy. Oh, we all want joy. In Psalm 119, 1 and 2, the psalmist writes this, Joyful are the people of integrity. Then he describes it. Those who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws, his principles, and search for him with all of their hearts. 
I meet with a group of guys on Tuesday morning, and one of the texts that we've been going over is Psalm 119. And we're overwhelmed by the importance of God's Word and the promises that align itself up. If you've not read Psalm 119 recently, I'd encourage you to do that. And just open up your mind and just say, Lord, your word is so important. I need to obey what you teach me. Some of us get overwhelmed. Oh, Rick, there's so many principles. I'm never going to be able to obey them all. I'm with you. Let's not worry about them all. As God convicts you, respond. Say yes more than you say no. Oh, Rick, you never say no. I never say no to God. Well, actually, all of us say no to God. We all say no to God when we don't listen. We all say no to God when we do our own thing. We just do. We don't want to admit that because we look kind of like a rat, you know. But we do. So all I'm saying is this. When God talks to you, say yes. Watch what happens. Watch the joy that follows naturally. Recognize all that God has for you. There's nothing better than walking with our Savior. He is so amazing and so loving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We are grateful for you. We realize, Lord, in life, we have a bent and a passion for us. We love serving us. We love doing our own thing. And so many times we think we really are smarter than you. Oh Lord, thanks for loving us. Thanks for reminding us. Thanks for sharing with us over and over and over again that your way is best. And Lord, we know how important that Holy Spirit is in our lives. And yet, disobedience, we just almost just flaunt it. We don't want to do that, Father. We want the Spirit active. We want to listen. We want to respond. Help us teach our kids. Help us encourage others and and the other relationships we have to listen to the Spirit, to walk in obedience, to confess our, our sins quickly, often, ruthlessly. May we trust you, God. You have never let us down. May we believe in what you say. Lord, we know these words are important because you shared them. But not only are they important when you share them, they're really important as your disciples are looking straight into your face, knowing that their lives are going to be so different. So we come before you, Lord, and we want to obey you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.